Welcome back to the weekly Trusted Visions podcast. We apologize to our audience and viewers that were a day late. It's it's kind of funny. Our technological genius David had technological issues yesterday. So you know, glad that that it, you got to feel the pain for for what I feel when I lose stuff in terms of technology. <laughs> Sounds good. We're going to continue down this path. And Sean, welcome back. Sorry we missed you last week, but we're going to continue down this monthly podcast of a transition. And now that you've made the decision to make a move, you know, what's involved? And, you know, today we're really going to talk about the logistics of a transition. Most advisors or staff or OSJs or enterprises really think, oh, I've made the decision. I just got to focus on the client paperwork, which, I mean, that's that's a lot of the heavy lifting, but there's a whole lot more involved right. with things that you need to do before you can even become effective. So I'm going to kick this off to Sean. And Sean, if we could start with, what is that process? And and what does the broker-dealer need? I mean, we could probably go on for hours on this, but just at a high level, you know, what are some of the other things that that advisors need to be aware of that the broker-dealer is going to need? Sure, sure, sure. Well, once the uh, due diligence gets to a point for an advisor where you've identified your new broker-dealer home, uh, the fun starts. I mean, the courting and dating kind of shifts and now it gets down to business and, and you enter into the approval stage, which in my opinion is very beneficial, not only for the broker-dealer, obviously they have to do their checks and balances, but also you as an advisor. So I'm going to uh, touch on high level, just a few features and elements of that. But I want to preface by saying as an advisor, once you enter the approval process, just be cognizant of how the broker dealer responds. Um, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to really administer your due diligence in terms of service and in terms of operations. You know, for example, if you have um, some questions and, and after you make the commitment, you're not hearing back as quick as you were before you made the commitment. That's something to really uh, think about. And also how compliance, which I'm going to dive into, um, how compliance responds. Uh, you know, to to your practice is something that you want to be cognizant of. So, with that, the approval process consists of, in my opinion, a few key component components. Number one is the uh, marketing review. The marketing review encompasses everything as it relates to your business, whether you have seminars, brochures, DBAs, website. Now, uh, in twenty twenty one, social media. Um, you know, anything that has to relate to you doing business, you have to submit that um, to the broker dealer that you're joining. Uh, it's typically reviewed by the compliance department as well as legal in many cases. Um, I've seen it all just throughout my past 20 years. Uh, I've seen situations where an advisor, you may feel, hey, yeah, I've been at my existing firm for 15 years with this DBA name. There's no problem. There's no issue. I've seen um, new broker dealers kick DBA names back. I've seen websites get kicked back. Um, you know, certain language get kicked back. So you want to be aware of that. And um, if you're not in a position where you want to make those changes, you have something you have to consider. Um, that's something you're going to have to really consult with the uh, new broker dealer in regards to. Uh, this process, you know, typically involves a number, as I mentioned, of uh, individuals and departments. Could take anywhere from two to three weeks. Um, you know, you know, maybe longer. If it is longer, that is a red flag, in, in my opinion. 
Um, that may be a testament to just how their compliance review things. And if you have, if you join the firm and you, you dive into some deeper issues, then you may have a long hold time, um, you know, as far as get, getting answers back. So be aware of that. Um, you know, also another big component, you know, outside of just, you know, your, your marketing is your product. Um, you know, these broker dealers, along with the advisor, um, really need to investigate on the broker dealer side. And we've touched on this on a call, uh, previous calls. Broker dealer wants to take a look at your book of business to make sure that they have the product that you're currently, uh, you know, you know, you're providing to your clients and vice versa. An advisor, you want to make sure that the new firm, um, you know, has those products available. If not, uh, you definitely and I will re reiterate, you definitely want to you know, get those approvals and get those approvals early. Do not wait. Um, I'll say this again, because once you are affiliated, it is very difficult to get that approval. Um, I, I've been on the other side as a recruiter where those approvals didn't take place fast enough. And in result, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty sight, um, you know, even up to a point where we had to get president of the broker dealer I was representing involved. Um, outside business activities is another component of the review process. And these OBAs, I, you know, once again, I, you know, because of my experience, I've seen it all and they all need to be reviewed. Um, I've, I've worked with professors, I've worked with uh, real estate agents as well as, uh, you know, real estate or owners of real estate rather. I've worked with advisors that served on community boards. I've worked with pastors. Um, also, uh, you know, FMOs for your fixed insurance. Anything that you're doing outside of your normal course of business needs to be reported because some broker dealers may not allow it. Um, so you want to make sure that every aspect of your business you know, is intact, not only, and I'm speaking more or less to, to the advisor, as you can see, because I think it's very important for the advisor to be cognizant of this process. And it's not just a broker dealer, you know, making sure that you fit their, their plug. You want to make sure that they fit yours as well. And Sean, to that point, and, and we've seen this time and time again, where like you had mentioned, Advisors say, well, I've been with my broker dealer for 15 years. This assistant's been with me for 10 years and they never had an issue, but yet they had a criminal background or even professional designations of, hey, I've had this professional designation for the last 20 years and no broker dealer said anything. Well, what do you mean? And, and so that's for our audience. These are vital things. And, and I don't want to keep going back to it, but that's why it's vital to work with a team like Trust right. Visions. Right to help you navigate through that process. And you don't know what you don't know until you've been through it and in the trenches. Sean, one, a couple questions for you, you know, and great point of the courting process ends when you start right. thinking into this, right. this right. you know, up approval process. We hear this all the time from, from advisors saying, hey, the recruiter said that I don't have to do any of the repapering, the broker dealer is going to do it. And we know right. that there's some things with Reg SP and all of that, what advice would you give to our viewers that hear that of the reality of that situation? Because as we know, broker dealers can't do the paperwork for you right, unless right, they're breaking right. regulatory rules. So what, what advice? Because we hear this a lot. That's where I, I would advise, any, you know, any advisor to work with a third party uh, recruiter, uh, specifically trusted visions, because we can give that, you know, that con consultation rather. And, and it's not, 
it's not going to put us in the penalty box because, you know, we work on behalf of the advisor. Whereas, you know, I understand I've been a corporate recruiter for a while and you want the business. So, uh, you know, while I never you know, <laughs> misinterpreted what I could represent, um, you know, I've known several that have. So you want to you know, make sure that you're speaking with, you know, a third party recruiter. If not, ask specific questions, you know, ask if, if a recruiter says that. We'll do all the paperwork. Ask, well, you know, what are the steps to that process? What will you need from me? What exactly does your, your broker dealer complete? What task? Um, you know, get really granular. And, and at some point, I'm pretty sure the, the facts will start to roll, <laughs> roll out. Uh, but definitely want, you know, that, that third party consultation, in my opinion, um, to kind of separate, you know, what's, what's facts. Uh, you know, what could be somewhat of a fabrication and just kind of line line the stories up. And Sean, last question before we move on to David is you, you've made a great point of the courting process is over and now you're dealing with other people right. in the organization or the broker dealer versus the recruiter that we're, we're gun ho to try and get the deal done, having been corporate recruiters for so many years. What advice would you give to our audience to of expectations or things that they should have an expectation of of those conversations with compliance or licensing or whatever, because it's not going to be the same. Hey, Sean, we're so happy to talk to you. It's, it's all about business at that point. So can can you set expectations for our audience of how, what they should expect in terms of the approach with those other people? Well, I will say this, um, you know, just from my experience, I've had the opportunity to represent a number of firms and every firm I represented I must say was different, uh, different personalities, uh, you know, different approaches. And I think as a recruiter, as well as a third party recruiter, we have to set that expectation specifically as it relates to the broker dealer that, you know, that earned the business. Um, I, I've worked with firms that had a, you know, everyone had a sales mindset, you know, from the recruiter to the compliance officer and every conversation was a great conversation because everyone understood that we're still in that courting and dating phase. And I've worked with some firms who didn't have that approach. I've, I've actually, and I'm going back several years, I can recall vividly, um, I had an advisor committed and, and was going to join within 30 days. And he took his business elsewhere because of a product manager that was at the firm that I represented at the time. Um, he was very slowful in his approach. He didn't respond to any emails. He didn't respond to any calls. And, um, you know, the advisor told me point blank. He said, listen, I personally feel that this is you know, a reflection of the service that I may receive. So I don't want to join the broker dealer. So I think that as a, as a recruiter, third party, you want to understand the personalities. And, and I'm going to be just transparent as possible. And I know I'm kind of getting off the, the question, uh, but just being transparent as possible, you want to make sure that the appropriate individuals who are what we call advisor facing, client facing, are in front of the, the prospective recruit. Um, you know, so as far as expectations, I would set expectations with the advisor that, hey, this process can take a few weeks. Uh, we may need some additional information um, you know, from you, et cetera. Uh, but then I would kind of know who the players are yep. to, to, to get it done. 
uh, from the broker dealer side of it. <laughs> I mean, understood. I've been in some bad scenarios because I, I just kind of you know, you'll force the issue. I think we've all in our corporate America lives have, have experienced you hand it over to compliance and it's like you start cringing in some of those scenarios. So, so great points. David, you know, when we're talking to our clients, it, whether it's OSJs or advisors, we hear all the time when they're in the transition of, hey, I came into the office today. I've got 22 different emails from 22 different people within the BD. You know, what do I respond to first and, and where do I go? So talk to our audience a little bit about Who's truly involved in things like Sean said in terms of the process and things that are needed? And who should our audience, advisor, OSJ, or enterprise leader, who should they go to as that point person within the BD? Because it is a lot. And it's a lot of tracking of probably over 100 different things that they need to provide to the BD. You bet. I appreciate that, Jeremy. You kind of uh, took a couple of bullet points there, but you're absolutely correct. When you're looking at, when you're prepping to make a move, uh, as Sean pointed out, uh, kind of the honeymoon period's over. Now you're getting into the weeds and you're starting doing a lot of the work that needs to, a lot of what I consider organization is going to be the key word of the day, uh, keeping yourself organized. And if your recruiter, transition consultant, and things like that aren't giving you the tools and things like that to keep you organized, that's where you're going to run into a tremendous amount of difficulties because you're right. Uh, you're going to walk into your office. You're going to have a ton of voicemails. You're going to have a lot of people that are looking for information from you. And who do you respond to first? So you're talking compliance, licensing, your transition consultant, your recruiter, maybe calling you marketing advisory, going through all those processes can be daunting. Uh, but in most cases, they can make it relatively simple because it can be stressful. Um, and what I say, what I'll say through my whole thing is trying to be organized as possible. If you're working with your recruiter, your transition consultant, every broker deal that you work with should have some kind of a comprehensive timeline and or checklist. And the checklists are great. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but really the comprehensive timeline is we're going to, that's going to be your most important tool because that's going to help you prioritize who you need to contact first. Uh, if advisory needs to go through and get uh, things approved for you, be able to trade. If you're making a move in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, what's the timeline on that? In that timeline, you want to know who your contact person is. If you have one on the advisory side of it, if you don't, the number to contact. When is that information? When is that, when is that going to be due on your individual? Not, hey, this should be 30 days before, 60 days before. Try to narrow it down on when you need to get things done and approved. For example, marketing, compliance, your DBAs that you talked about, Sean, having having that more organized in a timeline can basically help you be a, a much more effective. The checklists are great. I love checklists. It gives you a lot of gives you a lot of control on what you need to do, but sometimes it doesn't help you as an advisor. And so when you're when you're putting that together, find out who you're if we're working with your recruiter or your transition consultant. Most of the time, those are going to be your two main contacts when you're looking at the broker dealer side of it, or even us as your third party recruiter. But most of the time, you want to spend most of your time with the bro broker dealer, somebody that's in house. If it's not the recruiter, then it's a transition consultant. Nine out of 10 times they're in house, they can get things done and they can be your quarterback or your liaison on getting things hunted down and getting things taken care of. But having that small network of people you need to get in contact with, maybe somebody you call every single day. 
uh, while you're going through this process. You want to make sure you've got a good relationship put together on that side of it because most of our, our good transition consultants out there understand that sometimes uh, the, the attitudes and the people that we work with on the compliance side are a little different than the people on the sales right. side. Let's just put it that way. We'll put that politically correct. So sometimes they would want to be on the call with you. So you can get some of those things scheduled up where they can kind of dissect uh, the, the minutia of what needs to be done and kind of keep it more of a positive experience because you're absolutely correct. This is the time where you're kicking the tires. You've you've been sold or you, you're excited about making a move, but if you continue to run into a lot of roadblocks during this process, um, make sure that you're you keep your gut pushing you in the right direction. Because I'm not going to be one to say I wouldn't be disappointed if I was recruiting an advisor and they decided, hey, this is just not working out. Um, it is what it is. We're 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 not we're not selling used cars here. We're we're basically moving your entirely livelihood from one broker dealer to the next. So it's extremely important. Uh, so getting that information pulled together, keeping yourself organized, and making sure you have a checklist that will go through it, and also that comprehensive timeline. I can't I can't speak to that more. Uh, trying to keep yourself organized, and if it's not you, the advisor your assistant. And if your assistant is in control of getting a lot of that stuff done, you as the advisor have to be involved. So that's where if, if you're going through a transition, you, you need to have a coaching session or you need to have a five minute sit down every single day while you're going through this process, especially in the, the 60 to 30 days leading up to that transition to make sure everybody's on the same page and then you're accomplishing all those goals. Because the last thing you want to do is get to the, the finish line and <laughs> hit a ton of roadblocks. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. And Sean, you, you and I are actually working on one right now where the, the, the advantage of working with a trusted visions team or a firm like ours is we have an advisor right now that, hey, I'm not hearing from my transition person. Where do I go? What do I do? Being able to rely on our team that we can press those people to get this pro process moved along because trying to navigate through it alone when you're not getting a responsiveness, what do you do? Um, David, one question for you, and every broker dealer is different, but you know, some of these smaller advisors, some of them are sub 50,000, some of them are sub 100,000, they're not going to get that high level, high touch transition support from most broker dealers right. when they're making that transition. And so they've really got to rely on somebody. What advice would you give to them and, and how would you level set expectations for them? Because a lot of them are surprised that, what do you mean I don't get an assigned transition consultant? Or what do you mean I don't get an onboarding person? What advice would you give to them, to our audience? To our audience, I would say ask those questions because I think that's a great point you bring up, Jeremy. And that's why working with uh, Trusted Visions, a third-party recruiter on that side of it, they can help you set those expectations and also ask the right questions. Because a lot of the times, the recruiters, you know, we were all corporate recruiters. Sometimes you, you were supposed to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes that's the ugly part that nobody wants to talk about. So, but you can ask those questions as an advisor, go directly to your recruiter, find out, okay, this is my production. This is what I'm bringing to the table. What am I, what am I to expect as far as service? If I'm not going to have a dedicated transition consultant, what tools and resources will you have available to make this happen for me? And that's why I said, you know, organization is key. The more, you know, the more questions you can ask up front of who's going to be involved. Do I have a dedicated transition consultant? What are going to be the steps that need to be done? And if you have that timeline, even in 
no matter whether you're a small producer or a large producer, they should be able to at least come up with something, uh, some kind of a comprehensive timeline to tell you what you need to do and get that uh, and get that accomplished. And you've got to get that from the BD because what it comes down to is we can tell you all the recruiters and everybody else can tell you what needs to be done, but you need to get that from the broker dealer on that side of it. So if they're not involved or if they can't give you that, then it, it's good. It's going to be a little bit more difficult road, but try to stay as organized as possible. Yeah. And that's a great point. And, and as we wrap this, this week's podcast up, you know, it really to, to Sean and David's point, you know, as it pertains to tracking and communication, I, I couldn't agree more, David, and, and especially with OSJs or enterprises that are trying to move numbers of advisors, you know, having a checklist or a tracking system of, hey, this advisor has done this, this is what's still needed. Um, and, and make sure that the BD provides you with a thorough step-by-step of, hey, I need to know everything that you're going to need. Um, because a lot of a lot of advisors are, are are surprised that hey David I need a copy of your college degree. Well, I graduated <laughs> from college 35 years ago. Like I don't even know where that's at. But make sure that you have a step by step list of exactly what they're going to need, and stay on top of your advisors. Of hey, this is when we're moving. And, and that's why we always preach, uh, set a target date. Now, that target date can be fluid, but it, you can back into, this is how many things I need to do a day to hit that date. Um, because if, if you just kind of go willy-nilly with it and just say, hey, I'm going to affiliate whenever I get done with everything, you're never going to get done with everything. Right. And so making sure that you're, you're getting the things done, scheduling your fingerprints. Some broker-dealers have training videos that you have to do before you even affiliate. Um, don't just rely, to Sean's point, I think you said, this isn't just about your assistant doing everything. This is really, the financial advisor has gotta be involved in a lot of these processes. Um, and so communicate with your staff. We've seen it in, in our time in corporate America where the advisor doesn't tell their assistant or the rest of their staff because they don't want them to panic and leave them. You've gotta communicate with your staff of what you're doing, why you're doing it and, you know, help them understand what the process is going to look like. Don't just expect that you can do it on your own. So with that being said, we're going to finish this, this month's podcast topic of transitions and what's involved next week. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to to email us at info at trustedvisions.com. Comment on our LinkedIn page. Go to our website at trustedvisions.com. We do have a scheduled consultation. Sean, David, as always, this is a fun topic. I think we could go on for months with this, um, but thank you for being part of it. Hope everybody has a great week.